Michelle was praying, it popped into my head, and that's usually good news. Psalm 103, from the beginning, uh, first couple of verses. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins who, and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Just... Um, it popped into my mind as we were praying for healing and, and Michelle was just thanking God for the good work that he does in us. Um, there's something powerful about remembering all the benefits of God. And when we're faced with something that we can't seem to overcome, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever, it's good to recount what God has done. Amen. Because if he has done it, he can do it. If he can do it, he will do it. We don't always know when. Um, but to remind God of his goodness, I think he loves that. So uh, there's a free reminder, not in my notes or anything. It's just extra. There you go. Okay. Well, how is everybody today? Yeah. It, is, it, is it exceptionally quiet today? Does it feel that, right? I'm not the only one. It's not just Moody Randy. Okay. I think actually there's a tenderness here today. There's a real sense of the tenderness of God. Um, One of the things that Sue told me as they were praying this morning, the way she described the presence of God, she said it's like a thin atmosphere. If you're familiar with the the early uh, Celtic peoples when Christianity was being sort of uh, like wildfire going through the Celtic peoples, 4th, 5th century, St. Patrick and all those people, um, they called certain places where God would manifest himself in healing and revelation, thin places. And, um, you know, it's like there's just not much space between us and God. Now, theologically, we know that God is everywhere. But um, practically speaking, we don't always experience the omnipresence of God in a tangible way. So today, I, I think we're in sort of the fifth century and we're experiencing a thin place. And so I'd encourage you to press in because God's near. Well, let me pray for us, and then I've got uh, some things to say. God, we, um, we intentionally set our hearts right now at rest in your presence. You've invited us to do that. You've told us that if we come near, you'll give us rest for our souls. You've told us that in repentance and rest is our salvation, and quietness and trust is our strength. So we take that prescription this morning, Lord. And we'll rest. And we'll turn back to you. And we'll be quiet. And we'll trust you to speak to us. So Lord, would you come and speak. Open our hearts and our minds. Lord, would you preserve the truth. Give me words uh, of clarity. And Holy Spirit, use these words to be not just my words, but... 1 Peter 4, as it says, the very words of God. So, Lord, lead us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start this morning by telling you something uh, that's happening in my own life. And I actually haven't talked about this. I don't think I've talked about it from the front. I I may have. I don't don't think so, though. Uh, About three years ago, I started uh, doctoral studies. And that's not because... 
I want people to call me doctor, so don't do that. Um, I said don't. <laughs> um, but because I found a program at Northern Seminary in Chicago, I, I love to study. I like words. I like the word. I like Jesus, and I wanted to study. And I found a program in spiritual transformation in, uh, at Northern Seminary in Chicago. And so I embarked on these studies about three years ago. It involved um, eight three-day retreats over the course of two years, and then three more weeks of studies in Chicago with a lot of reading before and a lot of reading after and more papers than I care to talk about. Um, bless you and bless me too. Um, and I'm at the point where all of, the, all of the academic studies are through. And so I've had the opportunity to study over the last three years the spiritual disciplines. So if you've been wondering, like, how come Randy always talks about engaging God in prayer and scripture and solitude and silence? And what's, what's that all about? Well, that's what I've been all about for the last three years. And um, the, the crux of this program is, uh, that I'm in is to strengthen the soul of a leader. Because the premise is this, strong-souled leaders lead strong churches of people with strong souls who go out and have impact on the world. So um, my desire to become a doctor of transformation um, <laughs> is because I believe that we are all called to become like Jesus. And there are some actual practical tools that God's given us in the scriptures, through the traditions of, of history. You. Bless you again. It's all right. I sneeze in threes. It's like a trinity, so I'm expecting another one. Oh, you already did three? Good. I missed one. Um, God's given us, you know, a way to go about cooperating with him in the process of us becoming like Jesus, and it's the spiritual disciplines. So that's what I've been studying for the last three years. So this program culminates in I have to actually do a doctoral project. In other words, I have to do something in my ministry context Raise your hand if you're in my ministry context. That's you, right? In my ministry context that has something to do with uh, spiritual transformation. And it's got to be kind of fancy. And I spent a lot of time putting together a proposal and so forth. And, and so I was praying. I've been praying for a year. Lord, what could I do here that would be a very practical benefit for the people that I serve with for me and for you know, the churches in the city? And uh, I came to what I think is a very simple premise. And here's my thought process. I said, Lord, what one thing could I give to our people that would most clearly help them become more like Jesus? Like, if our goal is become like Jesus, what, what do I have to give? How could I lead that they might become more like Jesus? And um, the Lord, in our interaction, I felt like he said, well, Randy, what, what, what has it been for you? What's been the primary source of your transformation? And I could say a lot of things have, had, have been a part of me becoming more like Christ day by day in character and in action. But the number one thing is meeting God daily. That's it, number one. Just literally day after disciplined day, with and without feeling, planning a time to be with God through the scripture and prayer. And um, you may think that that is not very profound, and you would be right but it's true. It is the thing that's changed my life more than anything, is just developing the habit of meeting with God on a daily basis. And so that's my doctoral project. And that's why you see around the, um, around the church meeting God daily. 
I'm going to do a, a little intro class on July 13th after both uh, services. And then for four weeks in August, I'm going to teach a class on historically and biblically and practically, how do we see that we meet with God daily? How do we get ourselves into the scriptures and into a conversation with God in prayer on a regular basis, thereby putting ourselves in the place where God can do what only God can do, make us like Jesus. And so that's what I'm going to be spending time on uh, in July and August. I'm going to invite anyone who wants to, to be a part of that July 13th intro, the uh, four Thursdays in August uh, class, August 7, 14, 21, and 28. And then I'm going to invite you into a 60-day experiment, September 2nd through October 31st, to actually commit yourself to engaging with God every single day for 60 days, 15 to 20 minutes a day, in a very specific way that I'm going to give you. In a very ancient and traditional way, but in a very specific way. And um, if you so choose, you get to be one of my subjects. I've got little tests for you to take and little forms for you to fill out. And um, actually, we are going to do a somewhat scientific study. And we're going to find out how meeting with God daily impacts our daily experience with God. So if you want to be a part of that, ask me a thousand questions. I have a million answers. Okay. Um, <clears throat> the kind of word from God that is over my life in terms of my ministry, you've probably heard me share it before, but just for fun, I'll share it again. It is this vision that God has given me consistently in my life of me in a sanctuary, and in the front of the sanctuary, there's a throne, and on the throne, there is a king, and I see that it's King Jesus. And I hear the Lord speak to me in this vision. I can sort of, I mean, as I replay it, I know what God is saying. He's saying, Randy, point people to me. Because if you point people to me, these are the exact words I feel like God spoke to me. Cannot the king be trusted to lead his people? So I feel like my job in many ways as a pastor is to point you to Jesus over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because the king can be trusted to lead his people. More so than I can be trusted to lead you in the way of righteousness. The righteous king can be trusted to lead you in the perfect way of righteousness. So this doctoral project for me is not just checking something off to get letters after my name. This is because I believe if we put ourselves into this, you will put yourselves in the presence of Jesus the king every day. You'll develop a habit of meeting with God daily and your life will be changed. Like I'm kind of built, I've, I've bet everything on that. <laughs> um, and it's been true for me and I believe it's true for you. So today, for the next couple of minutes, I want to look at one scripture, one tiny phrase in scripture, John 17, 17. If you have a Bible, open it up, turn it on, steal one from your neighbor, whatever you can, uh, find a Bible, open to John 17, 17. Um, I'm not going to read you the context, but I'll give you the context. This is the high priestly prayer. This is Je Jesus' sort of final prayer encounter with the Father before the cross, before the garden. And he's praying, believe it or not, for you. Like, wouldn't you love to know what Jesus himself would pray for you? We know it. We have it. It's in John 17. 
So it clearly says, beginning of the verse and then later on in the verse, that he's praying for his disciples. And then he says, but not just for you, 12, but for all who will believe through your words. And that's us. So this prayer in John 17 is for you. If you put your faith in Jesus, this is the heart of Jesus for you. And so I'm not going to read the whole context because you could preach thousands of sermons on John 17. It's already been done. I have one brief message from one sentence, two phrases, three truths. (laughs) That was fun. Here's what it says right in the middle. This is Jesus speaking to his father on your behalf. He's talking about you and he says this, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. End of sentence. All sorts of stuff before and after. But one of the prayers of Jesus for you was this. He's looking to the Father and he's thinking about Delena and the rest of us. And he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. One sentence. Two phrases. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And there's these three truths in the midst of it. God wants to sanctify us. The way he sanctifies us is by the truth. His word is the truth. So this is one of the reasons that this book and being in this book, this scriptures is so important to me because this is what Jesus prayed for me. Jesus prayed, ran to God. God, Father, sanctify Randy and do it in the truth. And this remind Randy, your word is truth. So let's define our terms and uh, then we'll move on into application pretty quickly. To sanctify. So Jesus says to the Father, sanctify them in the truth. Sanctify just means set apart, make holy, consecrate, separate. Um, The the word, the, the Greek word here is the same word for the noun that would be the root of a saint. Someone who's holy or set apart. And if you read through the New Testament, Paul is always talking about you as saints. Always. We are the saints of God. So when Jesus asks the Father to sanctify us, he's just saying, make them more of what I've called them. Make them live out who they really are. A holy people. A consecrated people. A set apart people. A separated people. Not separated from the world, I want you to hear this real clearly, but separated in the world. Right in the rest, uh, in the rest, right in the rest of uh, John 17, Jesus says, God, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to be with them in the world. So we are set apart, not so that we could go away from the world, but that so we would be a different people within the world. Why do people look at you strange at your workplace? Because you're different. You're a holy one. You're a saint. You've been sanctified. So sanctified, set apart, made holy, consecrated, set apart for a very special purpose unto a specific use. And each one of us has that. A very specific use God has ordained for us to to fulfill in the world. So he says, Father, sanctify them. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Okay, this word is not a surprise. It means truth. All that is true 
Another way that the original readers of this might understand this is ultimate reality. You know, so when, uh, when John says in John 14, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth, what he's saying is, yeah, we'll know the right things, but basically we'll be connected with ultimate reality. We'll be connected what, with what is eternally true because we see what is not eternally true all the time. We don't know what's true half the time. But he says, set them apart, sanctify them in the truth, in ultimate reality, in, in the words that can be trusted, in the teaching that is verifiable eternally. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Now, it's interesting to me, and therefore to you, John 8, 31, 32, it says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching... you are really my disciples. In other words, if you do what I say, you're my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's kind of vague, isn't it? Like this truth, is is it the words or is it the deeds or is it the word giver or is it the deed doer? John 14, 6, Jesus speaking again, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we're getting a little complicated. Jesus says, Father, sanctify them in the truth. What is the truth? It's ultimate reality. It's this word of God. It's what can be ultimately relied upon. And Jesus says, it's me. He says, I'm the truth. So let's go back again. Jesus says to the Father, sanctify them, set them apart, make them holy for their special purpose. How? In the truth in the words that can be ultimately trusted and in the one who can be ultimately trusted. Because Jesus said, I'm the truth. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus set himself up as the access point to God, as the truth. Final uh, definition, we've done sanctify, we've done truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This Greek word you might have heard, heard of, this bookstores named after it. It's Logos. Words used a whole lot in the New Testament, like 300 times in the New Testament. And it's not complicated either. It means word. It means words, like parts of speech. It means testimony. It means teaching. It, it's, most of the time in the New Testament, it means this, the word, in the word. And at, upon first reading of John 17, 17, you'd think, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. It's this word is truth, right? I mean, we hold it up like this. You see logos like this, right? We even call it logo. I'll have to figure that one out for second service because it just popped into my head. I'm looking at Eric Anderson who knows these things. (laughs) Your word is truth. This is the truth. This is the scriptures, infallible. Perfect rule of faith and practice. We, 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 We believe in this, right? Except for these few places... In, in the scriptures where it is so clear that the word is Jesus himself. So John 1, 1 and 2. Um, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. What are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus. Jesus was the word. It's getting confusing. Is the word the scripture? Or is the word the scripture giver? And you know my answer, right? Yes. 
John 1, uh, uh, John 1, 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Two other places where word is used as for Jesus, 1 John 1, 1 to 4, where uh, John's talking about there was this word of life and we've seen it and we've heard it and we've touched it. And then Revelation 19, 13, where it says, you know, Jesus is coming back and John's having the revelation of the, of the second coming of Christ. And he says, and his name was the word of God. So, Jesus' prayer for you, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This word that is a part of the sanctifying work, I mean, the primary means of our sanctification is the word of God, and that is twofold. This Bible and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, it's, it's both and. And I don't want you to miss it. Because the Jews in Jesus' time missed it. Remember John chapter 5? I don't have the reference. I can't remember it exactly. But John five thirty nine around there. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees who knew this thing, Old Testament, really, really well. And, and he essentially said to them, you know, it's too bad for you. <laughs> he said it a little more sternly than that. Because you know the scriptures. You'll search the scriptures. And you'll look, thinking those scriptures will bring you salvation, but you won't come to me, the fountain of living water. So they knew the scriptures, but they didn't know the Lord. Can can I be so bold as to say that some of us might know the Lord and not know the scriptures? And right here in in Jesus' prayer for us, John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Set them apart for their purpose. Do that in Jesus and in the word of God. Because your word is you. This is our sanctification. This scripture and this relationship we have with Jesus. And that's why I've put three years into and we'll put another year into helping us meet God every day in the scriptures and in prayer. It's really not complicated. It does require discipline. It will change your life. It is difficult. And the enemy of your soul will certainly militate against it. Because this will change your life. When you encounter Jesus personally, through prayer and in his word, through the scriptures. So that's my plea for this morning and for these next couple of months, that you would aspire to meet God daily. That's how you cooperate with God's plan for your sanctification for your holiness, for the special use that you were set apart for. Sort of step number one, meet God every day, personally in prayer, just talking to God and in the scriptures. So, so how do you do it? Well, here's the easiest possible way. Are you ready for this? You might want to write it down. <clears throat> Get a Bible, read it, and talk to God. That, that's really it. And you're, and you're saying, you spent three years to learn that? <laughs> I spent three years understanding that it is that simple. And it is that crucial. Get a Bible, read it, and talk to God. And what I'm going to do in my project, and you'll, this will leak out even if you don't come be a part of my little clan. You'll hear all this. I'll make it all available. I'm going to tape everything and do everything for posterity. Um, But literally, get a Bible and read it 
and talk to God and do it every day. You don't have to start with hours. You don't have to go off on a silent retreat for three weeks. You don't have to be the next whoever it is, you know, that you think is the holiest of holy people. You don't, you don't have to do that. Get, get a Bible. It's my three-point sermon. Get a Bible, read it, talk to God. Now, for me, it, it has to be a, a certain place at a certain time of the day and a certain way because I'm a person of habit. And you probably are too. I don't care how you do it. Just do it. How many of you have a slight affection for coffee? Okay. How many of you have a slight affection for something else that you'd rather not talk about, but it's equally as addictive? Thank you for your honesty. Okay. Think about that thing as long as it's holy. Okay. Think about that thing. Um, Jane and I and our kids, a couple of years ago, we walked down the Grand Canyon the idea when you walk down the Grand Canyon is that the next day you'll turn around and walk back up. What you don't realize is that the seven miles down kills you. So what you do is you die at the bottom of the Grand Canyon and you pray for resurrection because there's so much pain in your body the next morning when you wake up. All right. So we're at the bottom of the Grand Canyon and it's like 5 a.m. We have to get going at 6 a.m. so we can get the heck out of this big pit. All right. And 5 a.m. and everyone's in the whole camp down in the bottom of the Grand Canyon is dead tired. But as soon as the coffee place opens, there's a line of people. Why? Because they're addicts. And because coffee's more important than sleep or pain or anything else in their lives at that point, right? So here's the point. If you're if you're if you need your coffee, you don't really care how you get it, you're gonna get it. You may get it the same way every time. You may get the same kind of coffee every time, or you may not. At 6 a.m., you don't care. Give me the coffee, right? That is how eventually you will look at your time meeting God every day. I'd like to do it the same way, the same time, the same place. I'd like it to, you know, be good every single day. But I'll tell you what, I've drank and... I've drank and... Drink, drink, drank, drunken? I've had a lot of coffee <laughs> in my life that was pretty bad. Why? Because I wanted the coffee. Here's my point. Whatever it takes to meet with Jesus daily, whatever it takes. I'm gonna, I'll put some things on the resource page of our website this week, but I'll just mention a few. BibleGateway.com, if you have access to a computer. It only gives you like 800 versions of the Bible. About 40 reading plans. Okay, you, uh, the Uversion, Uversion.com, I think has 800 translations. They have more than 100 reading plans. Um, I can give you eight different applications for the daily office that I'm going to talk about. TheTrinityMission.org is the one I use. If you're interested, TheTrinityMission.org. You can listen to a guy reading or you can read the scriptures and the prayers yourself. It's a very simple way to engage with God. My exhortation this morning, this is the primary, the number one means for God to use for you to become more like Jesus and to fulfill his destiny for your life is to meet with God every day in scripture and prayer. It's just that simple. And what I want to do is I want you to stand and I want to pray that God will give us grace to walk into it.
God, I thank you that in many ways you have made our relationship with you quite simple. Jesus, you came down from heaven and paved the way to eternity by way of the cross for us. You told us there's no works we could do but just to believe. You've given us the power of the Holy Spirit, renewed minds, empowered wills. You've given us grace by giving us the scriptures preserved and access to Jesus by the Holy Spirit. So Lord, stir it up among us, I pray. And not human uh, zeal today, Lord. We don't want just a, a, a mid-year New Year's resolution. <clears throat> we want changed lives day by day. So Lord, lure us to the word. Bring us to Jesus. Open the scriptures to us. I think as I'm praying, some of you are feeling maybe even a sense of guilt or shame. You're thinking, I know I should have. You may be even thinking, you know, people think I do this, but I really don't. Um, that shame and condemnation is from the enemy and not from God, because God always issues with conviction and invitation to change. So today might be for you. I mean, some of you are literally thinking right now, I don't even know where my Bible is. Lord, show them their Bible. Help them find it. Give them a new Bible. And reveal the word of God and the word of the Father. Jesus, reveal yourself to them as we pursue you with all our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.